this podcast is to inspire you to think critically about issues of life and seek God. We hope you enjoy the podcast. College student uh, uh, Isaiah, he's one of our college student, and Tyler, what they said basically, do you need a pep talk, Rob? And I said, sure, don't mess it up. That's all they said, don't mess it up. <laughs> and they have heard me preach, and that's why they're comfortable to say that to me. I'm really excited to be here. Again, thank you everybody for praying for me, and thank you everybody for coming today. Even after Pastor Scott announced last week he's not going to be here, then still you all showed up. It's exciting. <laughs> it's exciting. So I want to share my testimony before I begin today's preaching, today's sermon. Um, God has done amazing things in my life. I'm so excited to be here. I grew up in Acham, that's the far western part of Nepal, the furthest, furthest part, undeveloped part in Nepal. That's Acham, that's my place. There's a picture of that place where I grew up. It looks way cool and better now, but it was not like that when I grew up. And there was no gospel, there was nothing there. But God, in His amazing grace, He decided to come to me there, and He, he saved me in that place where there was no gospel, there's no church, there's no preacher, there's no pastor. So first time I heard about Jesus was when I was a kid, and my sister one day, she said, Sarab, I heard about Jesus, this guy. And I said, uh, no, I was a Shiva follower, one of the gods in Hinduism. And I said, nah, I don't, wanna, I, I don't think I want to follow any foreign god. That's not my thing. And that was like when I was seven, eight. And the second time I heard about Jesus was when my mother said to me, Sarab, you should go to church, because my mother was on some kind of feud. And she said, you should go to church. And so that there was a lot of demonic spiritual thing going on in, the, in that village, in my village. And my mom said, you should go to church so that Jesus will save you. So that the, our relatives were trying to take our property and you were in the feud with us. They will not be able to harm you. So go and <laughs> go to church. Jesus will protect you. And she never did anything about that. That was the second time I heard about Jesus. And third time I heard about Jesus was... One day after I moved from my place, Acham, my grandmother brings a book. You have heard about this story, and, and I want to share that again. Some of you might not know. She brings the uh, book saying, my grandson likes to read, then I'll just buy this book for 10 cents. And she buys that book for 10 cents and <laughs> brings uh, to me and says, uh, Sarah, read this book. This is a book that I bought for you. And that was the Bible. She didn't know that. I didn't know that was the Bible. And I started reading it. And then I saw this Jesus was amazing. This is God. He, we have 33 millions of gods in, in Nepal, 33 millions. And then I read that Bible, I read Jesus, and Jesus claiming to be exclusive, claiming, claiming to be the only God. And I said, I want to follow him. I want to follow him. And that's how first time I knelt there by myself. There's no leader. There's no preacher. There's no pastor leading me. I just by myself knelt on the, uh, on the roof of my house and I said, Jesus, whoever you are, God, whoever you are, I want to give my life to you because I cannot see there's more, uh, any power in, in this 33 millions of God. If there's any power that can save me from this earth, this, this damnation that is to come, that's Jesus and I got to follow him. That's when I accepted Jesus for the first time in my life. That's my testimony. It's amazing. Nobody, nobody knew that was the Bible. My parents, if they knew, I don't think they would bring it to me, <laughs> let alone read, let me read. So in 2011, in the month of March, I got baptized. And I said, I cannot, I cannot 
go without being baptized. I was so excited to follow Jesus. And I got baptized and served in the church there in Nepal. And actually, the first time I preached was when I was 19. So that was, that was the first time. And, and this, is, this is amazing. i got to tell you this story. First time I, I accept Jesus, I go to the church for the first time after six years, after accepting Jesus after six years. And then my <laughs> youth pastor, he says, Sarab, I like your story, your testimony. Can you share that with a small group? And we, had, we were about five, six people. And I said, sure, sure, I can share. And then he said, you'll be able to, I'll give you about three, four minutes. You can just share your quickly your story and how, came to, how you came to Jesus. And I said, absolutely. And then for the next three months, I didn't show up to the church. I was so terrified of public speaking. It was like three people. And I said, nope. Three months, no church. And every, t- every time my youth pastor, uh, he, I met him, I encountered him, I just ran away. I was that terrified. And now I'm standing here. And English is my third language, if you don't know that. My first language is my own tribal language. Second language is Nepali, and this is the third language. So praise to God that I'm able to stand here and share and bring this message to all of you. And I came to the United States in 2016. 2017, I met my wife, Caitlin. She is there, down there. And 2022, we got married. That's, that's my testimony. And that's how God brought me here. And we moved here about seven months ago. Uh, seven, eight months. Last year, June is when we moved here. So that's, that's, that's how I came to know the Lord. That's why, how I'm here. Praise God that he has brought me here. And I'm really humbled and grateful to be able to talk to all of you about what God has for us today. And before we do that, I want to pray quickly so that I don't mess up. So that, and you guys can be praying for me as you, like, Lord, don't help him not mess up. So just keep praying as I do this. But it's going to be exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to what God has for us today. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, you are here in this place. As we talk about you, oh, oh Lord, we, as we glorify your name, help me. Help me, O oh Lord. I, I come to you. I, I seek your help, and I cannot do it without you, and I cannot preach a word without your power, Holy Spirit. So I give myself completely to you, and people who are listening to it and hearing it and meditating in their hearts, lead them and guide them. May this message today be about you and all about you, Lord. And we thank you for being in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so one of the concerning things in churches today, I was thinking about it, uh, when I was preparing the message, and I've been thinking about this for a while now. One of the concerning things, especially in the West, is a Christianity that is not deeply rooted in the Word of God. Shallow Christianity, I call it. Shallow Christianity. So you probably notice yourself, people, uh, if you, uh, believers, who, if you gazed into their spiritual life, all you can see is not a man or woman of God. You see, a man of uh, the believers are not rooted in the Word of God. They're not; they, their knees are not worn out by prayers. They're all about just coming. Somehow they wander in the churches, and somehow they claim to be Christians. They say, "Yeah, I am a Christian," but that's all there is to them. And I want to talk about that today. As a believe, as believers in Christ, as people who have been saved, as people who have been called and redeemed and restored, I don't think it's enough just to show up in the church and not have a life rooted in the Word of God, not have a life rooted in prayer. 
So I want to talk about that today. You see, Jesus said in the parable of sower, uh, seed, parable of sower, seed that falls on the gra- uh, good ground produces good results and yields hundredfold, sixtyfold, and thirtyfold. But some of us are content being thirtyfold Christians. This is what Tozer said. He said, we are satisfied being 30-fold Christians. We don't want to, yes, we are saved. God saved us. Praise God. We're, yeah, we're in. Now we, we, we're going to be in heaven. But that's it. There's no advancement. There's no further moving in, in our life as Christians. And so the way we behave, the way we talk, the way we do Christianity, the, we, the way we pray, all of that, it's just, just to get by. There's no much more than that. And as a, as a, as a guy who come from Nepal and we say no to all those 33 millions of gods. And no, sometimes the cost of following Jesus is our own life and everything that we know and beloved. Is, and then I come to the West and we have the freedom of accepting Jesus, yet I see there's no advancement in our faith. There's no advancement in our faith. So this is the problem for us is living a casual Christian life. And I want to challenge all of us. Today, my mission is simply this. I want to challenge all of us to live a fully, fully committed life to Christ. It's all about Him. I want to encourage all of us to live for Jesus. That's all. All of you who you are here, college students who are going to Utah Mission, I mean, you, it's, it's not about you. you have, you'll realize that pretty soon. It's, it has to be about Christ. It has to be about Him. It has to be about God, because it is the story of Jesus. So this is my mission again, that I want to challenge and encourage all of us to live a fully committed life to Jesus. Because you see, Jesus called us to live a fully committed life to him. This is how Jesus answered one of the experts in the law when, he, when they asked, which commandment is the greatest commandment? Jesus tell us which commandment is the most important commandment or the greatest one in the, whole, uh, in, the, in the whole list of 613 commandments. And Jesus said in the book of Matthew, chapter 22, verse 37 to 38, this is what he says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the most important commandment. You see, this verse provides a full perspective on how Christians, how believers should live a fully committed life. He says, how can you love with all your heart, with all your mind? That means you love God. We ought to love God with every ounce of energy that we have, with all the emotional capacity, with all our mental capacity. We love God basically with all our being. That's living a committed life. This is the commitment to Him. One of the preachers, I I read this, I don't know who wrote this, but this is what they say. Ultimately, ultimately, What our Father in heaven will require of us is more than a contribution. It is a total commitment, a complete devotion, all that we are and all that we can be. This means that we must hold nothing back from Him because God holds nothing back from us. What is this saying? It's it's not about contribution that we make in the church. Yes, you, you may help in the setup team or you may help in the choir, you may help in everywhere, but all of us, we need to understand one thing. It is not about the contribution we make in the church. It's not about financial contribution. You come to church and it's not any of that. It is about commitment and your life and your intimate life with Christ Jesus. It's all about that. God is not going to say in the end, hey, didn't, you didn't do this. 
you, you, you didn't set up the, I mean, uh, the table outside. He's not going to say any of that. He's going to say, did you believe in me? Did, I, did we have a relationship? Did we have a relationship that was deeply rooted in me? He's going to say that in the end. So what does that mean? What does the committed life mean? You see, I came up with three things. Committed life means, the, the, first of all, loving God with everything that we have. That is, living a crucified life. What does that mean? Living a committed life means living a crucified life. Our heart, our ambition, our full being is given over to God, wholly given over to the Lord with humility and obedience. It's about it's saying, everything that I am, God, everything that I have, my money, my, my family, it's all you. It's all about you. That's the crucified life is I have nothing to do with the world. I have nothing to do with the things of the world. I'm absolutely committed following after Christ. Every nature of me, every gift, that everything that I have is you. If it's not for you, then it's useless having that mentality. Disconnected with the patterns and the things of this world. Crucified life means fully giving yourself to Christ. Fully. Now, my question is, have you given yourself fully to Christ? Or do you hold something back from him? Well, this is for me. I don't want to give it to you, Lord. Do we go like that? Or have we given everything about us to Christ? And the second thing that uh, living committed life means living a satisfied life in Christ. Living a satisfied life in Christ. Some of us need to have joy in our lives. We, we are Christians, yes, but then when we sit and kneel down to pray, and when you start reading the Bible, we can't wake up to finish it. We open the Bible, but by the time we close it, we are falling asleep. You know why that is? I have found in myself that is because I have no joy in pursuing Christ. I'm not happy when I'm doing that. And that's a problem. You see, we, we, all of us are called to love the Lord with all, all our heart, not to tolerate the Lord with all our heart. God didn't say, tolerate me. He said, love me. And how does that come about? Loving the Lord means, I mean, being joyful means being content. Your heart and your ambitions in life are content in Christ. It's all about Him. He's at the center. You know, you have to have the faith like David. You know, in the book of Psalms uh, 84.10, he says, For a day in your court is better than a thousand elsewhere. Do we have that kind of joy in Christ? It's better to be with Christ. Like Apostle Paul saying, if I die, in Philippians 1.20, if I die, that's okay, I'll be with Jesus. Gain for me. I'll gain life. If I'm living, I'm going to live everything and all that I am for Christ. So is that your joy? Saying that, Lord, it is better for me to be in your presence. It's better for me to be with you. I don't, I don't, care, about, I don't care about what I do in this life. I don't care about how I go about this life, but it is going to be amazing as long as I live in Christ. That's the joy we need to have, like joy that uh, Apostle Paul depicts in, this, uh, in the epistles, joy that David has, that I, I want to dance with the joy for Christ. It's all about God. Oh yeah, God, if you're with me, I'm going to be the happiest person in this earth. That's the joy. Do you have that? Do you have that joy? When you come to church, are you excited? When you sing the songs, are you excited? Because if you're not excited, you're not joyful. And if you're just tolerating and you're happy that, yeah, Jesus invited me over, I'm fine. No, Christianity, a life in Christ is, if you want to live a committed life, it's all about God 
And then that ha- that you can do that by being satisfied and content with him. In the book of John, chapter 627, this is what it says. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life. Which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal of approval on him. Don't work for the perishable things. That's living for eternal things is our approach in life. As, as we do everything, we have to look through the lenses of eternity. I want to challenge all of us. As we do life, do you think of eternity? I'm going to die one day and this is all going to be over for me. So is this thing that I'm doing right now, the way I'm living right now, does this communicate my life for eternity? Does it, does it say, yes, I'm a Christian who's going to live for eternity? So have this eternal perspective. That's when you will be able to live a committed life in Christ Jesus. You, you're living crucified life. That's number one. You, you're living satisfied life in Christ, and you're living for the eternal things, for the, living for the eternal things, because it's all about him. Again, I repeat this. It's all about God. Now, this is what every Christian should strive for, a total commitment, right? And that comes from total devotion and total satisfaction in him. But but this is not going to be always easy. It's never easy to follow God fully. It's never easy because Jesus said, also Jesus said, there will be suffering when we follow him. This is amazing. Jesus didn't promise your life will be happy on earth. Jesus didn't say it's going to be easy. Instead, he told his disciples, it's going to get difficult. <laughs> wow, what an amazing turn of event. You follow God and you fully commit everything to him. And Jesus said, it's not going to be easy if you do that. Everything, the reason is everything is contrary to the flow, to the flow and the patterns of this, uh, this world. Our faith is just the opposite of what this world says. This world says pursue fame, money, and pleasure. Our God said pursue me, pursue me, follow me, follow me, do my will. It's all about me. And this world says you can be anybody you want. And Christ said you got to be who I want you to be. So it's all about him. It's all about him. This is what, this is what Jesus said in the book of Matthew uh, verse 10, 37, 39. The one who loves a father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. The one who loves a son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever doesn't take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Anyone who finds his life will lose it. Anyone who loses his life because of me will find it. What an astounding statement. Jesus said, you got to put me above everything else. Your father, your mother, your son, your daughter, anybody. you got to put me above that. I, I should come first. But you will find life in me. You'll find life in me. There are a lot of persecution around the world. A lot of bad things going on. I have a statistic that uh, I brought here. This is from 2021, and the source is Open Door USA. This is what, hap- this is, what is happening around the world. I want all of you to know what happens when you live a committed life to Christ. And these brothers and sisters around the world have lived their life fully committed, fully given over to God. Over 360 million Christians are living in places where they experience high levels of persecution and discrimination. 360 million. 5,898 Christians killed for their faith. Do you know anybody who is killed for their faith in America? I, I don't know anybody. If you know, let me know later. Uh, 5,110 churches and other Christian uh, buildings attacked. That happens all the time. 
In Nepal, you'll see the, a bulldozer will come and topple the whole house of worship. That happens all the time. 4,765 believers detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, or imprisoned. Wow. Now, this might not be your case in the U.S. This might not be true in the U.S. For us, if we live a committed life in the U.S., it might be something like you might lose your job because you followed him. Because you might lose your business because you followed him. Because, and then you might, if you live a committed life, your friends might not invite you over for barbecue. That might be a problem. That might be a problem for Southerners especially. <laughs> you may be sued. You may be harassed. Only if you follow Jesus with all your heart. So this is, this is the point I'm making. Will you be ready when persecution knocks at your door? When there's no lawyer to defend you, there's no court to justify your case? Because in America, if something happens, we run to the lawyers and, 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 or somebody else. When they run to the lawyers, it's in the courts. And it's a great system in America. I love it. They justice in the courts. But there might come a time when there will be no lawyers to defend you for your faith. Are you going to be ready? And then will you be able to stand on your faith, firmly rooted in Christ? Will you be ready for all those times when there's hardship, adversity? If you live a committed life, all of that will follow you. But if you live a committed life, that also means that God is with you. That also means that the Heavenly Father who had chosen you is with you. Heavenly Father who, who, who accepted you all and me included in his kingdom is going to stand right beside us. But if we live our life, spiritual life casually and just, yeah, I'm a Christian, yeah, but, but I speak this way, I behave that way, there's no fruit at all, there's nothing that tells you we are Christians, and th that's not going to help. You and I won't be able to stand firmly when that kind of problems come in our life. But, but also, is the good news. The good news is this. If we remain faithful and committed to God and persist through our trials and temptations, Jesus said, Jesus said he will reward those who follow him. You see, if you live a committed life, you are going to have trials and temptations. You're going to have a lot of things that you don't want in your life. But Jesus said, if you do that, there is reward for you. God will not forget anybody. He's not going to forget anybody who lives righteously and lives faithfully for him. And that doesn't mean you'll cruise through this life. Again, we established that. We'll, we still have a battle to fight, a spiritual battle. It's not about the flesh and the blood. It's not about going out there with your guns. It's about the fight that is happening in the spiritual realms. It's about the fight that you cannot see. It's the battle in the unseen. This is why. This is why. But the, to the, and in the end of that fight, there's a, there's a victory for all of us, guaranteed. You know why? Because Jesus guaranteed it for us. And as, a, as advancements to that, he has given the Holy Spirit to us that we talked about last week. Pastor Scott taught us that. He has guaranteed us victory for all Christians. But this is what uh, Apostle Paul said to Timothy. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. There is reserved for me the crown of righteousness with the Lord. The righteous judge will give me on that day. And not only to me, but to those who have loved his appearing. What is Apostle saying? He has fought a good fight. That means we have a fight to fight. <laughs> and there's a race to run. He says he ran his race. And that means all of us believers, there's a race for us to run. 
And he says, I kept my faith. And for all the believers in Christ, there's a faith that needs to be keeping. Dear friends, we cannot do any of this. We cannot run our race. We cannot fight a good fight. We, we cannot do any of this without living a committed life in Christ. You won't be able to stand a chance against the enemy if you're not committed and living for Christ. You're not going to do that. We can't do that just meeting and gathering on Sunday or the life group. That's not going to be enough. We need to develop a life of commitment to God. We need to develop our knees should be buried on the ground and our hands should be raised up in prayer and our our truth should come from the Bible. We should develop the habit of studying the Word of God. It's going to have to be all about God. It's going to have to be all about God. But interesting thing is, uh, and the good news is this, not interesting. Good news is this, that when we fight our battle and we finish our race, and that day you and I will stand before God. This is, this, we cannot forget this. For all believers, there's a, there's, God has promised heaven. God has promised something that our mind cannot comprehend. We cannot even imagine with all this development what we are able to accomplish in this world. God said, you can't even imagine what I have prepared for you to those who are faithful, those who are committed to God. And this is what, in the end, we all want to hear. In, in, in the book of Matthew 25, 21, this is what we want to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things, and I'll put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. Do you want to hear that? I want to hear that. When I pass on from this life, I want to hear God say, well done, Saraf. You did it. You fought that good fight. Come on now. Share your master's joy. I want to be able to say that. I want to be able to live that. I want to be able to hear that. And that's, my, that's going to be my race. I'm 27. I'm going to run, run this race. I want to fight as hard as I can. And I want to invite all of you to fight that fight. I want to invite all of you to continue fighting. I'm not saying that all of you are not fighting. I'm saying all of you should continue fighting, persist in all trials and temptations. Make God the center of your life. Because in the end, that's, that's what we all want to hear. That's going to be the greatest and the happiest reward for all of us. I cannot imagine anything else. I cannot imagine anything else. We have, we have received this gospel. And this, in this gospel... Paul says, the righteousness of Christ has been revealed. In this gospel, you have heard Christ bring the righteousness for all of us. You and I are, without Christ, we're going to be damned. That's the truth. But in Christ, those who have accepted Christ, there is life. And that life, no one will be able to take away from you. The enemy will not be able to take it away from you. In that gospel, Christ has revealed himself. Only hope for all of us. So, this is what I want to say. Let's live a committed life. I want to invite you to live. Make every business of your life about Christ. Make everything that you know, that you treasure, make it about Christ. Put him, give him the first position. Put him first. Examine Go home and take inventory and think and pray and say, Lord, have I put you first? 
Are you my treasure? Are you my everything? Like I am your possession and inheritance. Are you, oh Lord God, my help me understand? And the Holy Spirit will reveal to you. He will, he will reveal to you where you are in your life. That's my invitation. That's my calling to all of us this morning. Now, sometimes it's, it's not that straight. I understand that as well. It's not going to be just that. There are a lot of things going on in your life, and I understand that. And God understands that? Well, I don't understand that. God understands that. But, again, persist. Persist and be faithful to God. Be faithful to God. Because Jesus is always faithful to us. Jesus is always faithful to us. So, to review today's message, this is what we said. Jesus called us to live a fully committed life to Him. Jesus said there will be suffering when we follow Him. Jesus will reward those who follow Him. And I hope this message has helped you, at least given you some thought to think, because in the end, it's God. God is all you got. We have our college students and youth going to you, Thomason. And I want to encourage you all, be in prayer. Pray. May your, uh, your fight be in prayer. Be fighting. I want to invite Duane over here, and then I'll pray. Uh, but I want to encourage all of you guys to keep praying. Okay, Keep praying. I want to close this sermon today in prayer, and then Duane will invite all the students, and we'll all pray for them. Okay, But I'll be down there. If you want to complain and say, Sarav, you didn't do that right, I'll be standing there. <laughs> or if you say, Sarav, that was good. Hey, I have not given my life to Jesus. Can I do that now? And Duane or I will leave. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much this morning. I pray that this Lord, this message, penetrate the hearts of the listeners, O oh Lord. And I pray that your work of the Holy Spirit be mighty in this place. And I thank you for everything, God. Now, everything that we do, everything that we did, be glorifying and honoring to you. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.